Going from the USFL to the NFL, Levi Bell has had an interesting pathway to the Seattle Seahawks. And so far, he's been paying dividends for the Seahawks pass rush and pushing for a roster spot. We're going to catch up with Levi Bell live from the VMAC coming up on today's Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for this Thursday episode by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in from nearby Spokane, Washington, or across the country from Portland, Maine. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We're drawing closer to the second preseason game. We're going to dive into observations from the final open training camp practice that went down yesterday at the VMAC, including a red-hot red zone performance by Geno Smith and company. We'll also be taking a look at what to watch on offense when the Seahawks battle a talented Cowboys defense on Saturday night at Lumen Field. Jam-packed episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Undrafted free agents, Dallas, have historically had a lot of success under Pete Carroll and this coaching staff. It seems like every year they have at least one or two undrafted rookies that come in and find a way to make this roster. This season, there's a chance there could be significantly more than that. Some of it just because guys like Chris Stahl, he has no competition at long snapper. And then you have players that kind of came out of nowhere, like Levi Bell coming over from the USFL, wasn't drafted, was with the Ravens for like eight days, and then they cut him. Went over to the USFL, had a really strong season playing in six games for the Michigan Panthers. Comes to the Seahawks a day before training camp. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if there was a player that was more impressive from start to finish in the preseason opener than what Bell was for the Seahawks against the Vikings last week. Extremely disruptive, a bunch of pressures, and was all over the quarterback. A really fun player to watch who has now played himself onto the radar as a roster candidate, at least in my opinion. Most definitely. Bell is definitely a roster candidate in this season. And the one thing about Bell is that, simply put, he was consistently in the backfield. And going to his background, it's very interesting on his football positional versatility as he has some experience playing fullback, some experience playing defensive tackle, and then went to the USFL, became an edge rusher, and now he's showing out at edge for the Seahawks. This is a very interesting kind of profile for Levi Bell. Not sure I really remember a player with a similar profile. Potentially when fighting for a roster spot, maybe he even fills in a Nick Ballore-like role in being able to play fullback or both sides as a depth piece. Yeah, that's a possibility. And that was one of the things that I had a chance to talk with Levi Bell about yesterday at the VMAC before their final open practice is that positional versatility. And it, you'll find out here in a moment, there was another position that he played at the college level as well. I mean, this guy has played all over the place, basically everywhere except corner and safety. One of the most fun interviews I've done, really a genuinely awesome dude. 
that is easy to root for. And right now, this isn't just, you know, the story. It's the player. He has been fantastic so far this preseason for the Seahawks. And now he's making a run at one of those final roster spots as he contributes on defense and special teams. Let's take a listen to this really fun interview with Levi Vell, an undrafted rookie coming out of Texas State, also previously played for Louisiana Tech. Please take a listen. I know that you've had a whirlwind experience here getting to Seattle. First thing I'm going to ask you, going undrafted, were you surprised by that with the fact you were an all-conference player? I know PFF had you as an All-American on third team. Did that surprise yeah. you, the numbers you put up? Um, honestly, I thought I was going to at least be like sixth or seventh round or something. But I don't know. I think it's probably because I was like, this. my agent was displaying me as more of like a fullback. And I didn't have film as that. Um, so, and I cut a bunch of weight to be more of a fullback because I was playing D-tackle. So that probably could have been why. I don't know. I, I knew it was all in God's hands, but it, didn't it was show disappointing. didn't athletic testing at all, though, with, no. with, with, with stuff. So I, I guess I was really surprised and with, yeah. the, with the background you had. And um, I, I'm trying to remember what showcase that you played in. I, I was there. Yeah. I have some contacts that were there, so when you get signed with the Seahawks, like I knew the name, I was familiar with it, but I was just surprised that the Ravens signed it and that quickly moved on, and then you end up in the USFL, and this is the second incarnation of that league, but how much has that helped you now coming into training camp when you get to go against pros? A lot of those guys have played in the NFL, so how much did that help you getting this opportunity and being prepared uh, for? It helped me a lot, honestly, because I went in, and uh, after a couple games, I was able to become a starter and uh, play defensive end, stand at the end, so kind of what I'm doing right now. And that was really one of my first times fully doing that. I did a little bit in college, but um, no, yeah, there's a lot of guys that were really like six or seven guys, I mean, six, six or seven years being in the NFL and just like whether they just got old and got cut or whatever reason, there's just so much like knowledge. And so I just sucked all that in. So now I feel like even more prepared coming in here. You didn't feel like you were going through a crash course coming in like a lot of rookies do. It's just, it's just yeah. a very unique path. But yeah. you didn't get a normal offseason, though, either. You weren't mm -hmm. in uh, OTAs or anything. You were out actually playing in games. And a lot of people might look at it and think, oh, man, you're going to be burned out going into the season because you just got done with another one. But you've been able to hit the ground running here. Uh, what's been the key in that regard, and is that something maybe that's being overblown a little bit that you were playing in those games, and then you just go right into an NFL training camp? I'll say, uh, first off, I'm young, <laughs> so let's do it. But uh, I just take really good care of my body. Um, always stretching, always taking good supplements, take like eating very healthy. Um, so yeah, I feel really fresh. Even right now, I feel fresh. And a lot of the guys are worked out. Um, it's just like really knowing what, what you need to eat. I'm a personal trainer, like on the side, yeah, so yeah. like I just pretty much train myself. I'm like, all right, if I want to, you know, be healthy, this is what I got to eat. This, 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 and kind of just like using my macros. So like just being really strict and uh, disciplined with that. You've got a unique background in that sense that can help you weather that kind of a yeah. Of and you mentioned you had not exclusively played as this pre-four all-fall linebacker. You had some experience doing it, but you've moved all over the place. Yeah. How much is the fact, though, that you have played all those different positions and you've moved over the place, you've been different sizes, you've been asked to do different stuff, how much has that actually benefited you here now being in a position where you get to specialize with something with your athletic traits? Uh, it's been a big advantage. Um, I'll say 
I'm like a utility utility guy because of that, so I'm able to play like all special teams, the outside linebacker, even some like uh, three tech pass rush, maybe some fullback to put me in. So like they're using me for everything. So, um, but being able to play the outside linebacker position, this one's very aggressive and just like really good pad level, like just being violent. Um, so I'll say I'm having all the backgrounds to know what the inside guys are doing, what the linebackers are doing. Because I played Mike in college too, middle linebacker a little bit, lots of. You basically so played, played everything except corner and safety. And yeah, I played everything. So, yeah, it's very helpful. Yeah. You get the experience here. Obviously, this coaching staff's got a lot of big names, from like Pete Carroll and Shane Walter and the staff. But you've had Michael Bennett, you've had Cliff Averill, you've got BG Jordan now coming in as a pass rush specialist. What's that experience been like having all those different? people that you can learn from and pick their brain a little bit to help your game out, especially with this being your first year, that you're playing that position so. Yeah, I mean, not going to lie, when I saw them, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> um, but they were, like, with us the whole couple, for, like, two weeks straight, and I was, like, trying to get extra work with them before practice and just picking their brain all the time. So they taught me a lot. Like, I learned a lot of valuable things. Um, so I'll say... It's really helped my game, I'll say that. I want to talk about your preseason opener, the first game with the Seahawks, because it seemed like you were all over the place in that game. I thought you should have had a second sack there, and I saw you <laughs> waving to the ref. I think I would have probably been doing the same thing. What were your impressions of the way you played in that opener for the Seahawks as far as positives and negatives? Um, it was my first NFL game, so it was like a big like shock. Like My adrenaline was out like going through the roof and my nerves are going crazy. So like when I first went in, I was just like, you know, thinking a little bit too much. And then eventually like uh, after a couple plays, I started just getting in the zone. And then I just felt like I belonged. Like everything just felt normal. The game started slowing down. And I think because of the USFL being like that, I was like the leader on the team. Um, it's just like that leadership started uprising in me. And I was just like, started taking charge. And uh, just like it was like the calm in the storm, and then I was able just to like start making plays, um, and I was just so thankful to be out there to play. But I feel like there's just so much more potential I could bring. You know, I feel like it wasn't even my best game. Coming up next, Dallas and I are going to transition into observations from Wednesday's final open training camp practice. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks which is brought your way by Nutrafol. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code LOCKEDONNFL. 
You're listening to the Thursday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined on today's show by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Every day is tomorrow. We're going to look at what to watch on defense and our weekly picks to click heading into Saturday's second preseason game, Seahawks versus Cowboys. You won't want to miss it. Speaking of that matchup, Dallas, Later in the show, we will be diving into some offensive observations or what to watch on the offensive side of the football against the Cowboys. But let's talk this final open training camp practice. And as a reporter, this is always kind of a somber note because I'm like, great, now there's not going to be fans in the stands. So we're very limited on what we can report from here on out. But at the same time, you know, teams have to progress. You've got your second preseason game coming up. The regular season's getting much closer. So teams do need to ratchet things down and close up shop a little bit to prepare for that first game, as the Seahawks will do for the Rams, looking at this final open training camp practice. At this point, it shouldn't be a surprise that Geno Smith is dropping dimes the way he played last year, but everybody has to remember, if there was an area that this team really struggled last season offensively, it was inside the opposing 20. The Seahawks ranked 27th out of 32 teams in touchdown percentage in the red zone. That is putrid. The teams that were behind them, I believe all of them missed the playoffs. So that is not a category that you want to be ranked that low. And with all the weapons the Seahawks have, you would think that they would be able to score a lot of points in the red zone. Last year, that was not the case, though. What I've noticed in training camp, early on, the red zone drills were going in favor of the defense most of the time. But as training camp has progressed, the offense has been able to play catch up and Geno Smith yesterday, Dallas, was on fire. He could have had three touchdowns in a very brief team blitz red zone period. Julian Love made a nice play to knock the ball out of DK Metcalf's hands. A really nice throw that was made by Geno Smith on that play. But a couple plays later, goes back and gets a touchdown to Tyler Lockett on an out route. Had the ball out of his hands before Lockett was even coming out of his break on the route. Perfect timing with his star receiver. And then... Very next play, DK Metcalf towers over Artie Burns, high points the football on a perfectly thrown goal line fade route to DK Metcalf. So back-to-back touchdowns, Geno was sizzling just like the temperatures on the VMAC field. It was 95 degrees at that point. You could make an argument Geno Smith was above 100 with the way that he was playing in the red zone. And I think fans should be really encouraged by that because that is an area, even in practice last year in training camp, that Geno Smith, Drew Locke, everybody on offense struggled to put points on the board in the red zone. We're seeing a change up there this training camp. Absolutely. And a big thing with that is the depth behind Metcalf and Lockett. Going from last season, the depth behind those two, it was honestly scary. You couldn't really trust who was going to step up to be that number three wide receiver. And now you're looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then Corbin, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we didn't mention it this past time. But the undrafted wide receivers really had a great practice. Jake Bobo, Matt Landers, although Matt Landers did come up with the injury at the end of practice, he had a great camp. And coming up with a 55-yard ball from Drew Lott, these undrafted wide receivers are showing that the depth has gone from one of the worst on the team at wide receiver to one of the best on the team. There are a lot of names in this lineup at wide receiver that are true threats now. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make. And I'm glad you pointed out the 55-yard touchdown that locked through to Landers and 7-on-7 seven seven because – 
not only did that show off Drew Locke's incredible arm strength, but just the accuracy that he had to put the touch on that. But Landers burned Chris Steele, the reserve cornerback, had him several yards behind him, and then Locke just dropped a purple ball. And by the way, Locke was rolling out to his right, so it was not just a 55-yard pass. It was probably closer to 65 yards through the air, and it was a perfectly thrown ball. But you got to see that 4-3-7 speed, and I think Landers actually got banged up on that play. I think he tweaked a muscle, a hamstring, or a, a groin or something on that play, but he still – got separation, scored that long touchdown. One of the highlights, and Jay Bobo had a 20-yard catch and run where he was able to get some yards after the catch, galloping, because that's what he looks like he's doing. He looks like he's galloping. He's not fast, and he'll admit it to you, but he just finds ways to make plays. So that has changed things for the Seahawks receiving core. Even with D. Eskridge now being banged up, he's got the suspension coming up, and Kate Johnson had the concussion. It hasn't mattered. They just keep rolling guys out that are making plays. But those two in particular have been the ones that have really stood out and they continue to do so yesterday. As far as my next observation, there wasn't a lot of excitement on defense yesterday. There were some decent plays. It was a non-padded practice, though. So you didn't get to see a lot from the line in general, rushing the passer. Things were shut down really quickly if a pressure was coming after the quarterback. But Julian Love, I want to talk for a minute about him, Dallas, because I feel like he's kind of been taken for granted as a free agent addition. We've talked so much about Draymond Jones, and rightfully so. He's been dominant in training camp. Bobby Wagner, we were going to talk up number 54 coming back to Seattle. He's a legend, future first ballot Hall of Fame selection in waiting. But Julian Love has quietly had an outstanding training camp. And Every time you turn around, he's finding ways to make plays. You see him playing free safety, strong safety, nickel corner. They're moving him all over the place. That versatility showed the Giants. And yesterday, the best defensive play that happened on the day, in my opinion, was that pass breakup back of the end zone against DK Metcalf, who had his hands on the football. And Julian Love was able to push it away, knock it out at the last second. And he's just been making plays like that throughout camp. He's one of those players that isn't necessarily flashy with how he gets the job done, but he's just effective. He is a very productive player that finds ways to quietly make an impact. And the leadership can be seen out there, too. And it just demonstrates the depth of the safety group, though. That is starting to become a little bit iffy because of the injuries that are happening at the position. Jonathan Sutherland getting hurt on the last play of practice yesterday. I believe it was Ty Okada, another safety, that landed on his leg in the end zone when they were trying to defend a Hail Mary on that last play from Holton Ehlers. Joey Blunt still isn't back from his scare that he had with his back, even though it, there was no damage on the MRI. He still is not practicing. So that is a position that's starting to thin out a little bit, but you have seen the depth there that creates a lot of intrigue in the secondary. Not just the depth, Corbin, at the safety position, but the versatility. As you spoke to, Julian Love not only is playing free safety, deep middle, or in a deep quarter, there's times where he's up in the box. There's times where he's playing nickel corner. And let's not forget, when he was drafted, he was drafted as an outside cornerback. When talking about versatility, Julian Love has that and brings that even more to the Seahawks defense. That I want to talk about also Mike Jackson with Tariq Woolen, Devon Witherspoon, and yesterday Trey Brown out of practice. Mike Jackson has a real shot to continue to further his chance at being that left cornerback. Mike Jackson has a real shot over here. Witherspoon, yes, was number five overall pick, 
But if Jackson doesn't give up the spot and just proves that he's going to continuously play better, then Jackson earns the spot. He's there. He's there showing up every day. Yes, he's healthy still while the other guys are not. But that has to be taken into account. There's a real chance that Jackson is the starter in week one. Yeah, if Trey Brown misses more than one or two practices, that could be the nail in the coffin for that left cornerback position because I felt like Brown didn't fully take advantage of his chance against the Vikings, and there's little margin for error in this really tight race. So uh, if he's out for more than one practice, he didn't play yesterday. If he's back today, then that changes things. It might have just been a rest day. Maybe he had a small injury. They were just giving him a day off or whatever. But he needs to get back out there because Mike Jackson's been great throughout training camp and that spot was his last year. He's the incumbent. So the incumbent is going to keep that job if all things are equal otherwise in this case. And Witherspoon still isn't back from his hamstring injury. So he can't compete for that spot either. So it does feel like this is Mike Jackson's job. And now all these stars are aligned and you got Reek Woolen gradually getting more reps on the right side. He played some team yesterday, which that's big news. I don't believe any quarterback actually tested him yesterday in practice to see where he's at, but he was playing at right corner for a handful of snaps with the team. So he's starting to get more action now as he continues to get back into football shape and they get him ready for week one. That means that the left corner position is the one spot that still is up for grabs. And Jackson seems to have a fairly firm hold on that. And he could fully secure it if Trey Brown is not able to practice or isn't able to stick with him. And right now it does feel like Jackson's getting a little bit of separation now in that race to win that starting job. You are listening to the Thursday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by my co-host, Dallas Cooper. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. We greatly appreciate you making Locked on Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. Every day is coming up tomorrow. We're going to look at what to watch on defense against the Cowboys and dish out our weekly picks to click on offense and defense. You won't want to miss it. Let's shift gears now to that game against the Cowboys coming up on Saturday night at Lumen Field. And Dallas, you know, Rob Rang, our partner in crime here on the show, he has been at Cowboys camp and he has been adamant that the Cowboys have been the best team that he has seen so far in his tour. He's been in Denver. He's been in LA with both the Chargers and the Rams. He's seen the Kansas City Chiefs. He has felt like the Cowboys were the most impressive team. And the thing that jumped out to him most was their talent on offense and defense in the line, in the trenches. And we know about the pass rushers that they've got to Marcus Lawrence, Parsons, They've got some backups that are really good in the middle. They drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round. They've got several other capable interior rushers. This defensive line is as good as any in the NFL. Some of those guys are going to play against the Seahawks on Saturday night. So as far as what I'm going to be watching, I want to look at the tackle positions. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, they didn't play in the first preseason game. I would expect they're going to get some snaps in this game against Dallas. It's a good litmus test for them in a real football environment to get ready for the season. Even if they're playing against Dallas' second string, they've got some really good second string pass rushers. So this would be a good test for those guys going into the regular season, get them a few series. And then the backups even. Stone Forsythe had a rough first preseason game, and Rob's got Jalen McKenzie making the team over him right now. I'm not quite ready to make that projection, but it is trending that way. Stone Forsythe needs to have a much better performance, and McKenzie, the momentum's on your side. If you can play well against this Dallas front and outplay Stone Forsythe 
we may truly have a competition opening up for one backup roster spot there. So that is going to be the first thing that I'm watching. It might not be the sexiest matchup, but at the same time, as a football fan, you got to get excited when you get to see competition in the preseason against legitimate, strong talent on the defensive line. I want to see how those tackles perform in both the pass and run game. Well, Corbin, if the fans didn't think that was sexy, then they're definitely not going to think this is sexy. My biggest thing to watch for is Olu Oluwatimi and Anthony Bradford going against, as you said, the Cowboys' first-round pick, Mozzie Smith. Now, Mozzie Smith, big man. Coming out of college, everyone knew 330 pounds of pure power. Was on the Feldman freak list. One of the guys you knew when he goes to the NFL, physically, it was never going to be an issue with him. He's already going to be in the 99th percentile in terms of strength immediately when he comes into the league. Now, Oluwatimi and Evan Brown and Anthony Bradford, all three of those guys are going to be having to go against them or against him, excuse me, consistently. Can they get pushed in the run game and open up run lanes for Zach Charbonnet? This is going to be key because the interior rush lanes was a big problem last year for Seattle, especially in short yardage situations. If they can prove that they can get a push against a guy like Mozzie Smith, this really bodes well for the regular season in those situations. Yeah, as I mentioned with the tackles, even for the interior guys, this is a great litmus test, even in the preseason. Dallas's second and third string defensive line, they've got some guys that could compete for starting snaps with a few other teams in the league. It's kind of like the Seahawks secondary with the depth they've built. Dallas has done that in the trenches. And even on the offensive line, and we'll talk about this some on tomorrow's episode, but Zach Martin wasn't there until signing a new deal, uh, getting fully guaranteed money, and it still was a strength for them because they've just done a really good job of building in the trenches. So this is a good game to evaluate where Seattle's offensive line is at, both in the interior and with the tackle spots. As far as the other thing I'm going to be watching, with the starters, the second preseason game, now that we only have three of them, I love it now. I'm glad they got rid of that fourth preseason game. It was awful. But the second preseason game tends to be where starters, if they're going to play, this is when they're going to play. And Geno Smith hinted yesterday that he would like to get a few snaps. I don't think he wants to go into the season completely dry without playing against another team. So I have a feeling that Geno Smith is going to be able to talk his way into at least playing one possession. But that's really what I'm going to be watching. How much do we see the starters out there playing in this football game? Are we going to see Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Cross, Lucas, some of the guys that did not suit up and play in that opener against the Vikings. I want to see what those guys look like because at the end of the day, Dallas, those are going to be the guys that are playing on Sundays for the Seahawks. So I know you want to avoid injuries, but I also think that there is value playing your starters, especially with how toned down practices are now in training camp. You got to get some real football in for these guys before you play Aaron Donald and company. So I think that this full offensive line, Geno Smith, at least one of those receivers, maybe a DK Metcalf. Jackson and the Jig played last week. He'll play this week. But get some of those pieces that are going to be contributing for you on Sundays and get them a drive or two and see how things go. And then get them out, get your backups in, and then let the real preseason play out. But I want to see some of these guys play. I'm interested to see what the Seahawks do because last year they didn't play very many starters at all in their three games. I'm wondering if they maybe play some of these players, even Geno Smith, a drive or two, just to get their feet wet a little bit going into the regular season. That's going to be a factor as how many times do we see teams that went with that approach 
start off slow and then struggle and then miss playoffs by one or two games. That's always what happens to those type of teams. And as you said, the Seahawks aren't operating under that and normally don't operate under that. They like to give their guys some sort of reps. And am I crazy, Corbin? But to me, after this week two game in the preseason, we are really going to understand what this center position battle is like. I know I brought up Oluwatimi and Brown, but we are really going to have a good feel on who's going to be the starter in week one based upon this preseason game, I feel. Yeah, and that's assuming Oluwatimi even plays in the game. He has been banged up. He's been dealing with an elbow injury. Now, he did do the individual drills yesterday, so maybe he's trending toward being able to play on Saturday. Pete Carroll made it sound like that's what he was pushing for. He obviously wants to play, but he's had a few injuries here at his first training camp, and that has helped Evan Brown really secure that job. And listening to Geno Smith yesterday, I mean, I keep projecting that Oluwatimi is going to be the starter just because I love the upside, but – it's starting to look more and more like this is Evan Brown's position to lose. And the way that Geno Smith's chemistry is developing with him, I don't know if Oluwatimi can get it done, but if he could come into this game against a good Dallas defensive line and play well, maybe even get some reps with Geno Smith, I don't know if that's going to happen, especially with the practice situation this week. But maybe then it reopens the competition to being a true 50-50 thing. But it does feel like it just keeps trending towards Evan Brown. And I didn't expect that that was going to happen in training camp, to be honest. I thought that Timmy was really going to push him. So, really, the offensive line is going to be a major focal point just because of the opponent that you are playing against. As we've mentioned several times here in this segment, this Cowboys defensive line, even their second and third stringers, they've got some really talented guys that are battling for rotational spots on this Cowboys team. It is a strength for them. That gives a really good test for this offensive line, especially some of those young guys like Timmy and Anthony Bradford. Let's see what they can do against this defensive line. And if you get an encouraging performance from that group, then that bodes well for the regular season. You got some good competition for this time of year, which you don't always get in these preseason games. So I'm looking forward to watching the offensive line. I hope to see Gino and, and company play at least one drive just so they don't go into the regular season without any opportunities against another team because they don't do the joint practices. If they did the joint practices, I'd maybe feel a little bit differently, but that's something Pete Carroll just doesn't seem interested in doing. They're one of five teams that didn't do it this training camp. So one of the few that's still kind of a holdout on that front, I want to see a little bit of Geno Smith and those guys just to see how the offense looks in an actual game setting before they have to face the Rams in week one. But there'll be plenty of intriguing things to watch. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. We'll continue previewing the upcoming preseason game against the Cowboys on our Blue Friday episode, dishing out some things to watch on defense for the Seahawks and our picks to click on offense and defense. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.